So I have a little thing where I say, don't sack your relationships, S-A-C. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. Welcome to today's podcast episode. It's a conversation with psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and podcast host, Dr. Abby Medcalf. Now, I have had Abby on the podcast in the past. We've done episodes, including one that is our most listened to episode, where we chat about the number one reason why relationships fail. So if you haven't listened to that episode with Abby, it's definitely worth going back and listening to that one as well. So with Abby today, we are exploring what Abby believes to be some of the most important foundations of having a happy, successful, thriving relationship. And when I listened back to this episode, I couldn't help but think so many of the things Abby speaks about during our chat They're really things that you do quite naturally early on in your relationship, hence calling this episode First Date Behavior, because it's, you know, it's a lot about attention and intention. And I think as relationships go on, you do tend to take the person that you're doing life with a little bit for granted. They do tend to be the person in your life who often is a bit of a shock absorber. You know, they tend to cop the brunt of whatever it is you're going through just because they are physically and emotionally and mentally closest to you in most cases. And I know so many people can relate to being in a relationship and thinking, you know what, my partner actually treats strangers better than they are treating me, or you realize that you're giving the best version of yourself to those who don't really know you and the people at home are getting the true exhausted version of you. And this episode is certainly not about making anyone feel bad for that because I think life happens, parenting happens. We do take the people that we love for granted sometimes. It's just, I think, part of the nature of the beast. And this conversation with Abby, I remember when we recorded it, because this is one I recorded months ago, there were certainly things that she said that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that. Like if I could do that a hundred percent correctly. There's a portion in our conversation where Abby talks about how important it is not to sack your partner. And I'll let Abby explain what that means. But I think you'll hear it in my response to her where I'm like, ugh. That's so hard because it's all surrounding like not criticizing and not offering suggestions and all of these sorts of things that do just become, I think, second nature when you're in a relationship. Now, I don't think that anyone listening to today's conversation will walk away from this conversation thinking, oh my gosh, I'm useless because I don't do all of these things perfectly. I think it's one of those conversations where you're just going to go, oh, yes, oh yes, perhaps I could have done with hearing this and perhaps I could do with, you know, putting my best foot forward for lack of a better expression uh, in some 
instances. Perhaps I could put my phone down when my partner is talking to me. And it's something that, you know, I'm always working on as well. I often have my phone in my hand and I'm doing a million things and I'll catch myself like not engaging or not replying to Brendan because I'm so sucked into the vortex of going through my emails and That's not to say that I don't care about him and I don't prioritize him. It's much more a reflection of the fact that I feel like I don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. And so I don't want this episode to make anyone feel like, oh, I'm not good enough because I'm so stretched because the reality is a lot of us are doing a million things at once. And whilst it would be incredible to always be at the door waiting for our partner or to always put our phone down we might not be able to get 100% there at this season of our life, you know, maybe as the kids get older and those sorts of things. So I just don't want anyone to beat themselves up because I think a lot of the stuff we cover, it would be wonderful to be able to do, but it is something that a lot of us have to work towards, you know, and I think little changes do add up. So anyway, let's get into my conversation with the incredible Dr. Abby Medcalf, where we are talking about the pillars and habits of a successful and happy relationship. Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors. Unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members, in that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me for another podcast episode. I love hanging out with you. I wish I lived in another part of the world because I would stalk you and be your make you be my friend. (laughs) I know. If you could just move next door, that would be amazing. Uh (laughs) It's so convenient, Abby. We'll work on that. (laughs) We are going to chat about your top tips when it comes to successful and loving relationships. Oh yeah. I love, I love. Okay. Should we just jump right in? Let's do it. Because we have to. Number one is what many researchers have been saying is the number one skill for the 21st century. And it's also for couples. And I should do a drum roll, I guess. But it is being able to focus your attention. And in this way, it is giving undivided attention to your partner. We spend so much time not giving undivided attention, right? So some, you know, your partner walks in the room and you're, you're on your computer finishing something and they're like, Hey, what are we having for dinner? And you're like, Oh, and you're, you know, still typing. And she's like, I don't know yet. I'll get back. It, you have to put the phone down, face down, not just down and not out of your hand, put it, put it somewhere else. If I was, t- think of this right now, if you and I, here we are chatting, right? And if I was sitting here like this with my phone, people can't see, but if I just had my phone, you know, we were talking and I just had it in my hand chatting with you, wouldn't you feel like, what's going on? <laughs> like, is she going to take a call in a second? And we all do that to our partner, right? Because they are the person that we know 
they love us. They, you know, we hope that they understand we only have good intentions and that we're living this fast paced life. So, you know, it's like not a big deal if we have our phone in our hand while we're talking to them, but you're so right. As soon as you said undivided attention, I was like, that has to be one of the biggest differences from when you first get into a relationship to getting really comfortable with someone, right? Because on a first date, you're not going to pull your phone out and be texting or emailing while they're talking to you. Right. (laughs) So undivided attention, of course. Undivided attention. Really, it is the greatest gift you can give another human. I think it's why people like therapy so much. You know, I am giving them, right? A hundred percent. I remember things they said because I'm so attentive. I'm thinking of how they're feeling. Like I am all about them for that hour. You're locked in body language, focus, everything. And it feels good. there's There's no greater gift. And I will also say that distraction is the termites eating at the foundation of your relationship. Because if you're, let's say you're doing that, let's say you're answering an email from your boss and your boss has just said something you don't like. And then your partner comes in and says, hey, did you uh, call the plumber about, and right? And here you are annoyed because this thing with your boss, you think you're going to act really nice to your partner or do you think you're going to snap at them? Like, you know, I've got a lot on my plate and you're coming in here and I'm trying to answer this thing, right? That is where... I want to say 98%, but I really want to say 100% is what I want to say, of all arguments are from people being distracted in a moment, you're caught up in something else, someone comes at you with something, and it feels like you're getting punched from the side. You know, it feels like you weren't expecting it. So when you really give your full attention, when you stop and just take that one breath and then give your full attention, it's a completely different interaction that you have. There's really, think of how you feel when someone gives you their full attention, how good it feels. It's Absolutely. And it really is that proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back, right? Because we have all of this pressure from the day sitting on us and then your partner makes a bid for connection or asks a question and it's like, oh, that's a bridge too far. And you're so <laughs> right. It's the simple thing of like just resetting. And I've heard, um, I've heard it described as segment intending, like noticing, okay, I'm closing up that segment of my day now. That way. Do you? Oh, well, that's I probably where it. I'm heard. That's where you get it. <laughs> right. This is why we need to be neighbors. Uh, Yes. But then like just going, okay, noticing this intentional shift, it doesn't have to be massive. It's not like, oh, I'm leaving the office and then going and driving home. That intentional shift can be, as you said, Abby, it's like putting the phone down and dropping the shoulders and going a bit softer in your body, just taking a little beat before responding. So that makes so much sense. Undivided attention. And you know, my favorite part of that, as far as a quick win, is always that when some, when your partner is walking, if, if it, whoever walks in the house, so if your partner's walking in the house and you're in the house, you always stop whatever you are doing, unless you're in the shower and then you can invite them in. But other than that, you go to the door and you greet them. You put down your things. It takes seconds and it completely changes the whole attitude of the night, the whole temperature in the house. And you create that. And I've shared with you before, you know, Gary and I have a little makeout session at the door and, you know, we really just, we hug, you know, we, we sort of joke around like we're a golden retriever, you know, excited to see you home. You'll jump around and I will. It's such a wonderful way to feel really. And I'll just look at him and say, welcome home. So happy to see you. It's, I missed you. It's so good to see you. Having that moment, uh, it's it's everything. And then if you're saying, oh, hey, the garbage needs to be taken out or the 
kids, you know, someone needs to do their homework with them. It's a very different, it's like we're a team first and now we're doing the rest of the night. Yes. And it is very, very easy to fall into that well-worn, you know, uh, routine of your partner walks through the door and you are peppering them with all of the things that they need to do yes. or all of the things that went wrong with your day or you're desperate to hand the kids over or whatever it is. Yep. And again, it's that intention, even just undivided attention for a short period of time, right? Yep. That's it. So that's really my very first thing. And it's the, you know, mindfulness, all the things go with it, but that's the thing. Undivided attention every time you're having any kind of interaction with your partner. That that creates so much goodwill and so much trust and so many good things. So that's number one. I would say if you do nothing else, do that. <laughs> Get rid no, of the children. Right? Yeah, yeah. Move to an isolated state. There you go. You can. That's really the way to go. Uh, I stay with love. I love my kids. Um, so the second thing, which, uh, you know, is a little, is a little different. Some of these are more conceptual, but it's very real is to have to focus on unconditional acceptance instead of unconditional love. So I know this is like a thing. So what happens is we get very focused on, oh, but I love you, but I love you but I love, you know, I love you. And we think that the lo love is not enough. John Lennon was wrong. Love is not all you need. Because if you don't feel ex be at the same beat, we're trying to change our partners. We want them to be a different way. We want them to act a different way, say different things, do different things, which means I don't feel accepted for who I am. So a, a quick example is I have a couple right now I'm working with, and she's a very slow processor when it comes to decision-making, and he's very fast. So what happens is he right gets very upset with her. he wants her to like get there quicker and she doesn't feel heard or seen or she feels rushed she feels misunderstood all the things right and so i've really been working with them and it's such a huge difference now that i said you don't accept that this is who she is it's something wrong with it people think that when someone's not like when our partners aren't doing what we want that they're wrong and we're right if your partner doesn't want as much sex as you they're wrong they should want more sex and I, what I have to always say is these are preferences. It's a preference. It's a preference that you want more sex. It's a preference that this person wants less sex. It's a preference to process a little slower and get more information. It's a preference to make quick decisions. It's just a preference, right? You got to come together. Do you think that this stems from the idea that when we're in love, there should be so much unity and sameness so that then when the person you're in love with presents to be different to you, it feels, you know, um, feels like there's friction there or it feels like it's going against the way that love should be. Yep. I love it. It's so crazy to me. I, I've shared with you, Gary and I could not be more different <laughs> pretty much every way, like everything we like to do, everything we like to eat, every, you know, it, we have some, obviously our core values are the same, but even some of those are a little different. How we like to spend money is different. You know, it, there and this, I think it brings diversity, you know, just like a, a work team. You know, you have a lot of different people, different backgrounds. It's a wonderful thing. You get a lot of diversity, a lot of new ideas you never would have thought of doing. We do things all the time that I never would have done because they're not my thing and we, or that he wouldn't have done. So I love the differences and I think it's all about that. But yes, I think people feel betrayed. Like, how dare you? They feel terrified and scared. I'm going to lose you. You have to agree with me. This is bad. Like, this is showing, you know that relationships shouldn't be uh, any kind of effort. 
And if every relationship is effort, every single one is some, it shouldn't be hard. That's something different, but effort, intention, attention. Yeah, that, that should be there. So this idea that we, we say we love people, but then we don't accept who they are as humans. When we do that, we don't feel loved. So, and we don't, it doesn't matter how much you tell me you love me. If you don't think who I am, right. I, I'm, I recently was working with a mom whose son was gay and we were talking about it and she's not accepting that he's gay. She thinks it's a phase. She thinks, you know, she's not anti-gay. She just, she's seeing a future that's harder, right? For her kid. And she's hoping it's not true. And I said to her, you know, he's not going to feel loved by you. You're, you're not accepting a very integral part of who he is. So all this way, that's why he's so upset with you. It's not so much that other piece that he doesn't feel loved. You can say, I love you all day long, but I don't like this whole part of you. I don't accept this whole part of you. We don't feel love. So focus with your partner on accepting who they are and not just putting up with it. I mean, embracing it. I mean, like, this is, this is my person. And, you know, I have, (laughs) it's 430 in the afternoon here as we're doing this. I've been working since seven. I have a lot of energy still. I'm that crazy person that's so annoying to be around because I'm always like the golden retriever. I'm like, what are we doing? What's going on? Let's go. You can imagine living with me would be a little annoying. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot of energy. And, but sometimes it's good, right? When we have a lot of things to do and get done, I'm not pooping out halfway. I'm like, let's keep going, right? But other times it can be like, can you go sit down, please? But Gary needs to accept it. You you don't get to cherry pick and go, well, I like it when you're here and I don't like it there. Yes. And if you are the partner that is feeling like you're not accepted, that pressure of always feeling like you have to strive to be different and be performative, Mm -hmm. that's only going to last for a certain period of time before you go, I'm out. I can't handle all of this because you don't actually like me or accept me. Right. So I don't feel loved. And I'll say to you, you don't really love me. And then you'll argue and be like, yes, I do. I did this, 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 and this. And of course, I tell you all the time. And this is when, if you're telling someone you love them and they don't believe you, it's probably this. Yes. And this is kind of front of my mind and heart at the moment as well, Abby, because my partner, he is a fighter. So he engages in MMA fighting. And now that's a sport that I fundamentally don't agree with. I find it really, really hard to understand, but I have to accept that it's this massive, important thing for him. And so it's grappling with that, like, oh, it rubs up against my values and I love you and I want to accept you. And it's like, get, you know, really doing the whole workaround of like, okay, we're two different people. And sometimes being two different people means that we have to have extra communication and extra acceptance and empathy and acceptance of the other person, but also just acceptance that sometimes we're not going to agree on this. Right. Right. And it's not uh, anything that's going to undermine the relationship. It doesn't have to if you accept it. Yeah. And so seeing his fighting for me, you know, I've talked about Gary does these Spartan races and triathlons and all that stuff. Right. So same thing. I I'm wearing stilettos right now. I'm not running anywhere. And, but I learned to, I don't want to run the race. You know, I don't want to do all this craziness, but I'll go travel with him to the places and I'll work in the hotel room and I'll fill the bathtub with ice for when he comes back and he's sore. Right. I think it's crazy. He's putting himself through this and sometimes he injures himself or whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is so nuts. And he's so happy doing it. It brings him such joy. 
So I support, you know, I go get the Gatorades and I, I have nuts waiting in there. Like I, I know all the things I need to have the Advil, you know, PM. And I do that. I'm like his, his pit crew, you yeah. know, like that's how I see my role in supporting him in this thing he loves. And I don't really get it. I think it interferes with our lives a lot. I don't always want a vacation, you know, to, <laughs> to wear the race to wear yeah. Arizona so that he can go on a race, you know, but it's also, I'm with you a thousand percent. This is one of those things that I've learned to not put up with it, but to embrace it and get excited with him. And what else about these races? And, oh, you know, he's always looking at videos of people doing stuff. I'm sure your hobby does too. And uh, he'll say, oh, wow, look at the guy, how he did this rig. And I'll stop because it's a bid and I'll come over. I'm like, oh, let me see. Let me see what it is. And I I do my best to get excited with him. I'm not fake, but I I get, I think of him. And how much I love him. And that's not fake. And I watch his boyish enthusiasm about this stuff at almost 60 years old next month. And uh, he's going to, don't tell Gary I said his age. Um, and, you know, he's so enthusiastic and he's so into it that that's what I get behind. Yes. And it can be hard, I think, for people from the outside looking in because, again, there's so much rhetoric surrounding sameness. But yes. differences you know, from what I understand, and you would know far more on the topic, but differences is often where the desire is, right? Yes. It's it's where really we find uh, novelty because we know that novelty is the key to long-lasting relationships that feel exciting and like there's something there. And when you have someone different, there's a lot of novelty. There is. There's a lot of novelty. Gary and I have been together many, many years, and there's still newness to our relationship. And that creates a, a lot of heat, which is really nice after all these years. And I, you know, we're super attracted to each other still. Like a lot of that is that, that newness. So embrace the difference, embrace the differences. I will also say this. I had a couple not long ago who were both, uh, they met doing marathons. And so they, right. Perfect. We love to train. We love to do all stuff. They, I mean, they are, they just fell in love in two minutes because they would go run and they would talk about running about guess what? When they lived together, hated each other. They have completely different ways of being. They have completely different ways that they problem solve, that they talk about things that they, so this big, huge thing in the middle of their lives that they both had in common was not enough. Enough. Yeah. Yes. So just to put that out there too. Yeah. Okay. Are we good on that? So Very yeah. Good. You feel is everybody feeling it? You should be feeling it. Okay. My my third great habit that really is the one I talk about probably more than do I I talk about a lot of stuff. I don't know. Uh more than anything, but is to ask more than you state. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I have a little thing where I say, don't sack your relationships, S-A-C. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. Oh, this is so interesting. This is good stuff, right? So don't sack your relationships. Whatever relationship it is, don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. Now, if you stop and think for a moment, you're going, hang on, that's 100% of my communication style. <laughs> exactly what happens. I'll say it to someone, they're like, 
kind of looking around going, wait a minute, you know, thinking through their last conversations. It is, again, and this really goes into people feeling accepted. When you, what you want to do instead, what's left is ask questions. And you don't want to ask interrogating questions. You don't want to ask yes or no questions, which we call closed-ended questions in psychology. We want to ask open-ended questions, which I call collaborative questions. You're trying to collaborate. My favorite open-ended question is usually um, something like, can you tell me more about whatever it is? So if Gary comes to me with something, you know, that he wants to do that I'm thinking, yeah, like this happened, wait, this just happened with one of the races. He wants to do this race and it's in Florida, like in August. And I'm, you know, we'd have to take a week off of work. And I'm like, you know, so my first reaction is not, oh, I'm so excited to go do that. Okay. That's so, so the criticizing probably comes uh-huh, in, right? The first or, response is why? What? Yeah. Why? why? August, yeah. August suck, right? No. Your first reaction is, wow. Okay. August for Spartan race in Florida. Okay. And I said, so tell me more about it. Tell me more about the race. Tell me more about why you're so excited. Cause he was very excited about it. And I, and it was this whole thing here and it was a trifecta thing and all the things. Right. So I'm listening. And by the way, it started to change my mind because he was so excited and I got why we ended up, which is so funny in the conversation. I was like, okay, so, but you know, McCartney starts back in school at this time. You know, I was trying to, you know, problem solve it after that. I was like, well, it's running right. He's the one who then said, oh, you know, it really doesn't work. Does it? And I was like, without you having to criticize or offer advice. Not only that, but I get points because I was excited. Yes. He feels seen. He feels heard. And because of that, he wasn't in defensive mode. So he actually was listening to what it could look like. I didn't say, yes, I can't wait to go. I, I wasn't, you know, lying or anything, but I was sort of, it doesn't always go that way. You know, sometimes it's like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm thinking, eh. but when you start asking questions or if someone's upset with you, instead of, you know, uh, I feeling neglected, you know, something like that. Usually what we do is we answer with neglected. I did this, 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 and this, right? We we keep score. We list all the things. How dare you feel neglected? And obviously it doesn't get very far. It, people then, they're telling us what they feel and we tell them that they're wrong. So instead, again, you want to stop. You take that breath. It's like, okay, this isn't easy, but I'm going to lean in. You know, well, tell me more about what that means when you say I'm neglecting you. Like, give me... Give me some examples. Like what? Not, well, I want to hear, you know, what the examples are. You know, <laughs> I need to hear the proof. It's not that. Or it could be, um, well, what's what's one thing I could do that would make you feel really seen, that would make you feel really cared for? What's one thing I could say right now that might make this situation better between us? It's curiosity. Yep. And even when you were describing then when Gary comes to you with something he's excited about, if in his heart of hearts, he knew that he would share that information with you and you would begin pulling it apart and saying like, these are all the reasons why not and making him feel small about it. I then imagine, and I've, I've been this partner where you stop wanting to share the exciting things. And guess what? You might find someone else that you want to share the exciting stuff (laughs) with. So you start talking to your girlfriend more than you start talking to your partner, or it creates these gaps in your relationship. And I think it's such an obvious thing to do. But one of the hardest things, right? Because we almost put ourselves in a parental role 
when we're in our romantic relationship and it's like, oh, I'm going to be the one to police you and fact check and pull you back to reality. Mm-hmm. And it probably, that you know, that probably comes from a place of love and safety and protection, all of that. But it's just putting out someone's fire, isn't it? Yes, it really is. And I get this a lot with couples where one person is, you know, kind of the dreamer and one person's more practical, which is a wonderful combination. It's you, it's a wonderful combination. The The issue becomes when the dreamer is dreaming, it's like, oh, maybe we could get a house. I said this with another couple. We get, They want to get a house. He wanted to get a house in Costa Rica all of a sudden. He's like, what if we got like a compound in Costa Rica then all our family could come and it'd be this thing? And she was like, what? You know? what are you talking about in Costa Rica? You know, and I, I said to her, I was like, oh, you, uh, it was such an easy, like, wow, t- what do you think in Costa Rica? Where'd you get that from? Tell me more. He is just a, he's a, th- you know, this guy is a, is a, you know, he, he creates startups and things, right? This is his energy. He doesn't create 50 startups a week, but he has 50 ideas a week. So it's okay to run with them. You know, it's, you're not doing anything. It's all right. You'll be okay. And you can just stay in the excitement with them. And trust me, what happens only, only is that they then feel bonded to you. And then when you do say, well, do you want to hear what I think about it? And you say, I have to say, I'm a little scared when you brought it up. I didn't think we had money for that. I, I'm just saying what was, you know, and then your partner gets to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Well, I see where you're going. You know, you're on the same team. I'm not trying to convince you of something. I'm not trying to drag you to where I am. Very Which com- comes back to the acceptance piece as well, right? It's accepting that that person is a dreamer or accepting that that person is a planner and allowing them to just be who they are. Yeah. And so I'm going to be this other person and you're going to be this person. And again, that it's both really good to have them. It's diverse. You know, it brings another level to the relationship that we didn't already have. And so what a wonderful thing. And you also can think about maybe letting your partner, I don't know, maybe he really does need to go to Costa Rica. And you can say, well, do you, I don't know, is there another way to do that? And I don't really have an interest ever in going, but how can I support you in going? Like, you don't have to do everything together. Everything doesn't have to be for both of you. Maybe he has a little place there and it's just where he goes for retreats. I don't know. Like, there's a million things, ways this could go if you explore. Without putting your partner in a box. And exactly. again, without sack, without using yep. the sack. So no yep. sack. Yep. Don't sack your relationship. So SAC, don't offer suggestions, give advice or criticize, and instead ask collaborative questions. Um, and I can even send you a list I have of collaborative questions and you can like post it on your website or whatever. I'll do that. Let me just, I'm going to write that down. That would be amazing. <laughs> it is such um, magical advice. I'll send it. So I have a list of collaborative questions to get you started. I even have another one for work. So I'll send both like Ooh, questions you can use at work and questions you can use in your relationships. So I think that'll be good. Okay. So the next one I have, which is big is focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. So (laughs) I get a lot of when I ask couples, you know, what, what's your goal? Well, I don't want her to nag me so much. Yeah. So she can still nag you just not as much. Should she keep track during the day? Like, should she count the number of nags? Does the limit exist? Yeah. Like, (laughs) is there a number you're looking for? There, our brains can't think in the negative. So we, your brain doesn't hear don't nag. It just hears nag. And so that becomes, right, this, this focal point for our brains. And when you do that, that's kind of all you'll see. 
And one of the things I've talked about before is that this part of our brain called our reticular activating system or RAS for short, right? Which is this filter between your conscious and your subconscious brain. So if you think to yourself, my consciously, my partner's always nagging me, it sends that as an order to your subconscious to look for your partner nagging you because your brain thinks it's important because you keep thinking about it. Now, <laughs> what's really scary, not only will you find it everywhere, of course, right? Your brain will, because it's so uh, economical and efficient, your brain will filter out anything that doesn't match what you're consciously thinking. So when your partner is appreciative and loving and kind and supportive, you are Teflon. You don't see it. You don't notice it. Yes. It's like the beta Meinhof phenomenon where it's like you're thinking about buying a red car. All of a sudden you see red cars everywhere. So you wake up thinking your partner is an asshole. You're going to see them as an asshole. Yep. All the time. So- And it's not a target your partner can get to. Like, oh, I just can't nag you. Like, well, how are we going to get the dishes done? And how is this going to happen? You know, there's no conversation there, right? There's, there's no, there's no aspirational place to go. So instead, (laughs) I tell people what you want to do is say what you do, focus on what you do want. You want to see more love, more appreciation, more connection, more, and just focus on that. And you can even tell your partner things you'd like to see. Like what you would want is, oh, I'd love it if you, because I'll say to someone, well, how would appreciation show up? What, what would you see? What would, what would be happening? What would your partner be saying? What would they be doing? That people can get very attached to. It's like, well, I'd like them to greet me at the door. You know, I come in the house. Well, and it creates a vision, doesn't it? Uh-huh. And, and if then it happens once it. here, then we can execute it in reality. Yep. And I can see how it feels to greet you at the door. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I can see how it feels to ask you. Uh, I remember Gary asking me once, he said, you know, could you ask me what, because I always make dinner, which I love doing. I love to cook. But he said, could you ask me my, what I'd like instead of always the kids? And I was like, yes, yes, I could. They could do that. You know, right? And so, and immediately I got what he was asking. He's just asking to feel like a priority over the children sometimes, you know? not even all the time. You know, he said, I don't need every meal. Just sometimes at dinner, you know, a few times a week, can you think of what I would like or ask me first? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, when someone asks you, as opposed to, you know, you're always thinking of the kids and I get neglected and nothing ever happened, right? It's a very different conversation than this other one. So that's, that's what we want. We want to see it in our brains. And it's, it's, it's really a, it's really a beautiful thing. So focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. Okay. So say what you want, focus on what you want, make that your thing. And that's what will keep showing up. That's what will get bigger. Yep. Yep. Right. Where you, where your attention goes, your energy flows, we like to say. So that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. The other thing, the other habit I always tell folks is that, and it's really related to all these, it's when you're problem solving with your partner, think of uh, problems as a triangle, not a line. Yeah. Same. So here's, <laughs> here's what we usually do. So we're usually at a line, right? I want, uh, I want to live in the suburbs and I want to live in the city. I want to live city closer to work. I just had this. I want to live in the city closer to work and I want to live in the suburbs where we have a big yard for our kids. Okay. So what happens when people are negotiating along that line, what we know from the research is that when people negotiate, both sides think they gave up more than the other. Do you love that? No one ever thinks they come out top. And even if someone got most of their things, they are very focused on what they lost. 
I, so, remem- I remember in mediation when I went through a divorce a couple of years ago, the mediator said, a successful mediation is both of you walking out of here feeling like you lost. Like no one's going to walk out of here feeling like they have come out on top. You love it. On top. Always stuck with me. Right? That's kind of amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I like everyone to feel like they've won. So, so that's a triangle. So instead of being, so when you're on this line, it's very polarized. You know, you, first of all, there's only two choices on this line. There's a million choices to everything. Every single problem in the world has a bunch of solutions, a bunch. That's, that's, I, I know this from my background in business. Like always, you never went to somebody with one solution. Like it's crazy. When you look at it like a triangle, the idea is that you're each at a base of that triangle and you're both looking up towards something ahead of you that neither of you knows the answer to yet. And here's where you get really curious and you just start brainstorming. And I tell couples, brainstorm everything, every possibility. We could have two homes. We could go back and forth between our homes. We could uh, have a home in the middle. We could get uh, buy a penthouse. That'd be fun. Like, let's get a penthouse in the city. You know, It doesn't matter if you can afford it. It doesn't matter if you can't. Just write it. What we could move cities, we could move completely. We could both get, we could live in Bali and do everything telecommuting. You know, we could write everything down. And what starts to happen when you get creative like that? And now your limbic system shuts off, that, that fight shuts off where it's fight, flight, or freeze, right? That thing shuts off. And you now you're in your prefrontal cortex where you're creative, where you're problem solving, where there's a multitude. And I always tell people, if you're thinking of a problem and there's only two solutions, you you have not thought well about it. There's always more than two solutions. Always, always, always. So you start to really get creative. And that's what happened with this particular couple. They start to really get creative. And they actually created a plan where one of them, which is so out of the box, but they're going to, one of them is going to stop working. Like they figured out their money. It's three years from now, but they figured out money so that one of them doesn't have to work at all. And they can afford to live in this other way. Like it was not even one of the things, you know, but here this whole thing came out. Is that amazing? It was beautiful. It was a wonderful conversation. And it's curiosity and collaboration and acceptance as well, right? Like going, okay, we both need something from this situation. How do we work on this together? How do we do it together? How do we get there? How do, how do we just keep talking and brainstorming? And what happens, you start doing that when you even get silly with the ideas is you start laughing together. You start like, you know, they, they were joking like, you're back to the this place of possibility, which is where you were when you first met. Possibility yes, and possible. hope. And yeah. 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 Isn't that nice? Well, who would have thought? Hope in a relationship. Fun. Coming together. Giggling about something that you were otherwise really so serious. We take things so seriously sometimes. It's like, come on. There's lots, lots of, we're, we have so many resources. What could it look like? It could look like a lot of things. And so for this couple to get to this place, because they came back, I go, well, what are you doing? What? I was sort of I'm like, okay. You know, it was so off the track of what we were even talking about, but that's the beauty of, and that's how great ideas happen at Google and Apple and, you know, other places is that they brainstorm. They just come up with the most ridiculous things and then backtrack from there. Yes. Works in a couple. I I love it. I love it. Isn't that great? Okay. So having the triangle, triangle, not triangle communication where you're telling somebody what someone else should do. I mean, like here you are both at a base, you're looking towards the future. The other thing that happens when you're on a line 
is that I'm here and I want to pull you to where I am. Yeah, it creates tension. Exactly. Exactly. When you do it this way, it's like you both end up in one of the corners together and look up. You know what I mean? Like you're going to where that person is. They're coming to where you are and then you're going somewhere. And it's a really, it's really cool. I, it works. I, I mean, it's been working for decades that I've been doing this with couples. It's truly amazing. So that's a win you could have today. Like you can, if you're, whatever it is, if you're, if you're arguing about Chinese food or, you know, Italian, put some more on the, you know, what else could we do? We could, uh, you know, not eat at all. We could fast tonight and see what that feels like. We could do a juice cleanse. We could like, we could have Thai food. We could, I mean, right. You start to really just open the possibility, open it up, open it up. I love it. You've always got the best advice. (laughs) I know that our listeners will want more from you. You've got a podcast. You're always over on Instagram as well. Tell our listeners where they can connect with you. Absolutely. So the podcast is Relationships Made Easy. And um, we really, my website, abbymetcalf.com, that I know you'll you know link to in your show notes, that's where everything is. It's the way to follow me, to find me on social, to do all the things. And the podcast is always there. And I do a corresponding blog post for every single podcast. So if you like, sometimes you listen and you're like, what was that? What? And you don't want to listen to the whole thing again. Just go to the notes, just go to the blog, the cheat sheet. Perfect. It's the cheat sheet for you. And there's lots of free stuff on the website. I mean, there's, there's a lot of resources. That's what it's supposed to be. Incredible. I'll make sure we have all of those details in our show notes. Thank you so, so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjalung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 